Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Craig! And I would record 50 podcast episodes, and I would record 50 <laughs> podcast episodes more, just to be the man to record 100 uh, podcast episodes with Jeff Newsome. Uh, dude, that touches my heart. <laughs> I'm absolutely... T- it's a big day. Yeah, welcome to Podcast versus Everyone, episode 100. 100! I'm Craig Powers. With me, as I just said, is Jeff Neusser. Um, Yeah, man. Like I gotta say, I when we started this, I wasn't sure we would make it this far. And I, because I've seen a lot of podcasts that do not make it this far. <laughs> yeah, they all and, like so many of them just sort of peter out at some point, right? Well, and yeah, we would have hit it, you know, a month ago or more if if not for you know nothing to talk about in the summer, but. Uh, or just not feeling like it, but yeah, so here we are. Number 100. We, we did it. This is the last episode. We're done after this. That's what we wanted to do. Um, I hope you guys all liked it. This is actually all we're going to do. It's 90 seconds telling you it's episode 100 and then we're gone. Like I I'm done, you know, I'm done podcasting. I don't know about you, Jeff, but (laughs) retiring on top. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yep. All right. Thanks everyone. (laughs) Peace out. Oh, yeah. Go Cougs. <laughs> Black Lives Matter. Yeah. All right. All right. Just, <laughs> just kidding. kidding. Just joking. We'll probably do at least one more after this. And we'll yeah. do this full episode because uh, we do have football games to talk about. I was really hoping yeah. that we'd have like a super celebratory episode 100. And man, it was really looking like that could be a possibility for a while. For a little while. Um, but uh, then the the onslaught came and... That was not going to happen anymore. Um, yeah, so WSU coming off now, uh, now one and one after losing to number eleven Oregon forty three twenty nine on Saturday night. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Initial yeah. thoughts. Uh, yeah. So you know, my my Monday after column dropped today, so I don't want to I don't want to repeat too much of that, but. Um, but you I'm not will. as wrapped up in the, yeah, I know. Well, you know, there are only so many original thoughts in my brain and most of them get out in the, you know, 2,500 words or so that I put into my column. So, um, but I'm not as wrapped up in the what ifs. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm not as wrapped up in the what ifs as, as I think a lot of people were, um, after that game. I think a lot of people focused on the quote unquote missed opportunities after the turnovers, um, you know, the the only one that really, really got me was that damn play at the end of the first half. Like, like that was the only one that I really look at and go, God, that just changed everything. Because, yeah. you know, they, they had the ball at their own 40 with 18 seconds to go. And, of course, having it at their own 40 was its own little, like, shitty circumstance to begin with. Because, really, that ball just should have been booted out of the end zone and, if it, and, and yeah. shouldn't have been dorking around with it in the first place. Um, so there's that, but, and and maybe they tried, I mean, maybe there was some wind blowing that direction. I don't know about. So at any rate, you know, Oregon got probably 15 more yards of field position there than they should have. 
um, which made the pass, you know, more probable. I mean, imagine if there's not 15 more yards of field position. Now all of a sudden he catches that ball and he's, he's down on the, on the 15 instead of the, instead of the two. Right. right. So anyway, so, you know, that play, you just look at it and you go, okay. So the, the probability of getting a touchdown with 18 seconds to go with 60 yards to cover is extremely low, almost no, almost independent of how poor any given defense is. Right. And WC's defense is incredibly poor, but that kind of – I mean, really, just by playing the right coverage, you should be able to prevent a touchdown in 18 seconds. And, of course, they, they didn't. Like, somebody was fouled up on a coverage. I don't know if it was – if it was Hicks. A lot of people blamed Hicks, and I – I've no idea if it was his fault. It may have been Hector's fault. He was the the safety over there, so I have no idea. Um, what I do know is it looked like they were playing two different coverages. Mm-hmm. Dude runs right past Hicks, and and then the you know and the other part too is that Shuck had about five seconds to make that throw too. Yeah, that, you know, so like it was just a total breakdown of every of, of of everything and if you if you subtract that touchdown and that's again what ifs are like but like that's one thing you go, okay so the probability of getting a touchdown is so low that you can like sort of almost in a good faith way say what if that touchdown hadn't happened right because it shouldn't have happened so you go okay if that happens then you go through the whole second half and you're like within a touchdown pretty much the whole way, right? Like it, like it takes Oregon until the fourth quarter to take a lead. You're never behind by more than a touchdown. You score your touchdown. It's a tie game. I mean, obviously you never exactly know how things are going to play out, but if everything else is equal, you're, you're kind of touch and go and it's neck and neck all the way up until the end. And, you know, maybe this all, this all feels a little different. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of the bummer part about it with it, with a play like that. You just, you know, you can't give a team as good as Oregon. You just can't give them a touchdown and expect that you're going to be able to make that up, especially when they gave you, you know, the gift of three stops in a row with, you know, uh, turnovers that were right into your hands. So, yeah. And it was actually four stops in a row. Um, if you count the, the punt that led to the true to, the, to field yep, goal true. on the previous drive. Well, it didn't really lead to it. Um, that was a, it, that was the frustrating part that the preceding drive was, even though it only ended in a field goal was a great drive. They got the ball on the 10, and drove all the way um, down deep into Oregon territory, ended up kicking a field goal, but they took six minutes off that clock, drained it all the way down to 18 seconds. You're yeah, like, okay. It was like, like the perfect drive. Yeah. If it, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the four more points would have been great, but like, man, you're like, okay, like that's a great scenario when you're trying to protect a lead. You extend the lead and you, you take away any opportunity, but apparently there was just enough opportunity. I will say, I don't think Verdell was in. Uh, I don't think so either. And that's just one of those call on the field. You can't reverse it. We don't have as many cameras type of thing. Um, but it, and I really would, you know, if he would, if they would have called him correctly down, then suddenly crystal ball has a difficult decision. Right. Like, I'm going to go for it, which I think he probably would have went for it given that they were down, uh, you know, two scores. Uh, but, maybe he's he tends like he's not always aggressive like he does con- some conservative things uh you know so he might have just kicked the field goal and say hey we we didn't expect points out of this let's just get some points so you know who knows how that changes the dynamic um i think one other one other missed opportunity that i that i think people rightly um obsess on is the second turnover the hector interception that's the that's the that's the 
the one time uh, that WSU got the ball in uh, plus territory and with all these turnovers. Um, that's the one time they took over in Oregon territory. So they were on the 40, and given that they had just – Six play seventy seven yard, four play fifty three yard touchdown drives. Right. You're like touchdown, touchdown. All right, but yeah, we're they cruising. go three and out in a heartbeat. Minus two, yeah, <laughs> minus two, minus yards. two yards, Ugh. and they punt, and you're just like, oh man, like you really could have put the throat on there. Even a field yeah. goal would have been yep. huge there. But like, because that's another one where like really like. If you're thinking about probabilities, they really only need to get like five to ten yards to be in Maz's range to kick a field goal. Yeah, that's true. You know, and so I mean, maybe ten given the the weather. Like so, because he hit a forty-seven yarder later in the game. So, like yeah. he he, you know, maybe they get ten, twelve yards. They get one first down, and then they can kick a field goal, and that's all they really need to do. Uh, but they couldn't even, yeah, they couldn't even do, uh, couldn't even do that. And so that was, that one, like you felt uneasy after they got no points there. Um, but of course, then they went and, uh, you know, got another fumble, um, drove down and got a field goal. I will say, I, I see this thing where people say the defense gives the offense turnovers and there was good field position and truthfully, it was two out of three times they basically cashed in what you would expect on that field position. They got, you know, they started at the 47 and they got a touchdown and they started at the 44 and they got a field goal. It's that inter it's that one interception where they start on the plus 40 and they, and they, they, uh, they get a three and out. And so the, the other ones, especially given the defense that they were playing, like to, to be able to drive the ball. And we talked about that in the first game with Stanford where the yardage was so close and it was so good. Like, why did they lose by so much? Cause Stanford missed four field goals. Cause they repeatedly were stunted in the end, in the red zone. Well, I would say the WSU overall did better than Stanford did. And in, yep. in the red zone, they did, um, they, they did better offensively. I think they, um, I mean, they had three red zone touchdowns. Yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. I think that's had, what it was. Yeah. So, you know, that's, and I mean, it's, it sucks. Cause I I think I've seen a little bit more people harping on the offense as the the negative and yeah like you know oh my god there's a couple don't even get there, me started on that maybe maybe you can say there's a couple times they could have done more uh, but there, but if you look at the defense and starting with that drive that 15 second drive you're talking about it went touchdown missed field goal touchdown 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 Half. End of game. <laughs> End of game. Yep. That's it. Like That was it. Oregon did not go three and out the whole game. They had two turnovers within three plays. So if you want to yep. call those three and out, but that's not technically a three and out. But they they didn't have – like they had – except for the second drive, all of their drives, they picked up at least a first down. Like it, they just moved the ball. That's. I mean, I guess that's why, you know – Maybe you're frustrated with the offense, like, okay, those were only opportunities, like, you really have to score. But at the same time, it's not – there's no difference between getting – if you're the offense and getting the ball on a turnover and getting the ball on a punt. Right. Like, there's roughly maybe 20 second, like 20 to 30 seconds of expectation before you start the drive Right. that you're getting the ball back. That's it. But it if, if they had – if they had stopped – 
Oregon on the 10, their own 10, and they punted and got the ball on the 44, I don't think people will be screaming about missed opportunities as much if they only, if they get a field goal on that drive. It's, it's just because their, their turnovers, there's just this like mental thing where it's like Oregon fucked up. Right. We We need to, we have to capitalize. We have to capitalize. And yeah, and I think you know the broadcast fed into that, and and truthfully, you you're feeling it. I I'm, I'm feeling that. Like yeah, I mean, like you I want wish it. You're we, greedy. We're greedy. You know, like yeah, it feels like we're dominating. We should be up by more. But if you look at it, like Oregon on the third fumble, they had driven the ball 48 yards in a, like three play, they were like 50 yards in like three plays. Right. Like they they like they weren't like they weren't stopping Oregon right they were just getting kind of fortunate like recovering fumbles is for like they were making plays of course like Hector's interception was a nice play you got to capitalize on that yeah nice strip by Crowder on one of them but yeah and but you know all, all credit to Hector for being around the ball but like recovering a fumble is not necessarily always 100% skill it's not a skill I mean I think like the ability to like I, I really liked how he scooped uh, the second one he recovered because I like that mentality. Like, yeah. let's go get it, you know. Um, but it's just, it's just like they, there were signs that I mean, there were signs that they were going to have hard time stopping Oregon even while yeah. they were getting the turnovers. I think that's that's what led to some of the fear as you're watching the first half sure. unfold. And that was, I don't know, I was super down and pissed at halftime, even though WSU, you know. If you would have told me before the game, WC is going to be up 19, 14 and a half, you're going to be like, cool. Yeah. But you're sitting there. <laughs> That's why after... I hate those scenarios because it, it's like impossible to know like exactly yeah. what the situation is so that you can figure out, okay, exactly how should I be feeling about this, right? Yeah, but you now that you know, you know, Oregon got the ball back with 18 seconds left and scored a touchdown, now you're pissed. Super pissed. And then what we saw, the, the last four drives, so – the first drive of the second half for Oregon was much like it, it. It was much like their first drive of the game, where they were just kind of chunked, little, little bit, little bit, little bit, no chunks, and then they got stopped. They missed a field goal. You're like, you kind of felt a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, you were like, like okay, okay, all right, okay. we've kind of you know staunched the bleeding a little bit. I mean, it took them 13 plays to go 56 yards. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're happy with that all day. And you're long. going like, okay. You're like, like there's they're no, not this picking has got off, to stop at some point. Yeah, you're like they're not picking off chunk plays. Like you're, you feel okay about about those sorts of drives. like six minutes came off the clock and the score didn't change. You're like, all right, that's good. Yeah. You're like, all you right, know? I can do that. But then of course WSU uh, um, goes. Uh, I well see that was so they they go three and out after that. Not not three and out, but they get a first down, and then. Uh, and then, and then and don't then get a first down after get a that. First down. Yeah. So yeah. was that the one? Or maybe it was the next the next drive with the potential targeting. But but then after that, Oregon's offense they could not. Yeah, stop they figured them. they figured something out. There. The last four touchdown drives: five for sixty-eight, seven for eighty, three for yeah. seventy-five, and six for seventy-five. I mean, the third quarter in yards was one hundred and ninety-one to. 30 yeah so the third quarter really the third quarter <laughs> the third like quarter returns I, you know <laughs> there's there's another moment you know if they would have called that first targeting 
on Bell, that would have been 15 yards. WC would have had yeah. the ball on the 40. I think they yeah. were down 22-19 at that point. Yep. Um, Which that that no call was just total bullshit. Like, I don't get like I don't get the point of the rule. It, it feels like from watching college football games all the past couple weeks, it just feels like the enforcement of targeting is is so inconsistent. Yeah, and nobody knows. Just, what even it just is. Pac-12 games, like it's so inconsistent. Uh, like, okay, they the the announcers they were saying he didn't mean to do it. Like you know whatever. It's like. Intent yeah. is an like he hit the re- a defenseless receiver in the head with his helmet, like with the crown of his helmet. It wasn't face. Helmet. At first, they were saying it was face. It was mask like face, to face mask. Mask. but it wasn't. Yeah, like and he, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. He put his head down. He hit him with the crown right in the face mask. At defenseless receiver, like, like what more do you need? I mean, I guess the only thing I can think of is that they looked at it and said. Well, he didn't really – there was not a, an upward thrust launch motion, right? Yeah. Apparently, that's supposed to be part of it. Okay. So – I thought like could, some of that with, could, when, it, when the receiver is defenseless, like there's le- like there's kind of less you have to do right, to commit the exactly. foul. Exactly. And so maybe it wasn't the upward thrust, but I also know that it's um, – like forcible contact is part of it. And there that was obviously that yeah. like, so I don't know, like I'm not, listen, I'm not one to beg for penalties um, because you know, whatever, but it, it, it's so frustrating to watch as a fan because you're like, you have no idea. It's, it's, it's like, it's like playing. It's like, it's like gambling at a casino. Like you just like, you don't know it's, it's the, it's the randomizer. Like you're just like, I don't know, is this going to be it or is that going to be it? And then sure enough, you know, on the yeah. next drive, it happens again. That one looks less bad. And that's the one where the guy gets ejected. It's like, okay, so did they just decide, well, we screwed up the other one. So we're going to give them this one. Like and it was the get- same guy, right? Like, uh, it might have been. It might have been. I'm not uh, sure. But, but yeah, and it's it. It's that, that's more. Uh, Bell was a. It was Bell both times, but Bell yeah. was a ball carrier. He definitely yeah, he kind got of spun around, speared in the head, and like, he kind of spun around, and then and then he got hit, and it was like, okay, that that was kind of a moving target. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's I, the the part that gets me is this. Like, what is the point of the rule, right? Like, okay, this rule exists for one reason. It's to try and remove as many uh, head-to-head, helmet-to-helmet contact hits from the game as you can, right? So it's it's not supposed to be, you know, for incidental contact. Okay, cool. We get that. But, like, when a DB is running up to a defenseless guy and he could put his helmet anywhere, literally anywhere at that point. Like this is not a bang, bang play like the helmet. He could have wrapped him up around the waist, around the legs. I mean, Renard Bell's a skinny little dude. You do not have to hit him full force up around the shoulders in order to get him down. That helmet could have gone anywhere. Where did the helmet go? Right into Bell's head. That's the kind of stuff you're supposed to like, like that's the whole point of the rule is to eliminate stuff like that. Unnecessary hits to the head where there's, a reasonable option of doing something different. And anyway, I just, whatever, like, like we just, we end up complaining about it and, and it's stupid to complain about because it's never going to get fixed. The, the rule is vague enough that there's never going to be consistent enforcement. It's just like a catch rule in the NFL. Like you, you can try to 
um, legislate it with wording. And the reality is it's never, it's never going to, uh, it's never going to be good enough. Like the words are never going to be clear enough. The directives are never going to be, uh, direct enough, you know, for anybody to have Mm -hmm. a clear sense. And, And I know how they train for this. Like they, they try to word it with the rule and then they show them, you know, 86 different video examples. This is targeting. This is not targeting. This is targeting. This is not targeting. Every hit is its own little special snowflake. And so what do you get? Right. They refer back to the wording and the wording is just vague enough. And there's really no way to make it precise enough that you're just you're stuck trying to really trying to guess. And and it's very stupid and it's totally pointless. It's a waste of time. And I don't know that it actually makes uh, any real difference other than to feel like, you know, maybe somebody gets lucky and maybe somebody gets unlucky in terms of being ejected from the game. Yeah, and I think we've we've bitched about that enough. Um, it's it's just a it's just more than we, we've obviously <laughs> as Kook fans have dealt with a very other frustrating instance of this before um, in another big game, uh, but uh, it it's uh, it is what it is. And uh, but so yeah, I mean after that that drive ends in a field goal. That was kind of a bummer. You, I was hoping that they go for it. Ultimately, it does not matter as the defense wasn't going to stop anyone at all. So it mm-hmm. didn't really matter what WSU did there. That also is the reason why I think you and I and others were just like, go for the touchdown. You need every point you possibly can get. Like, That's exactly what Like I, I get why they kicked a field goal because it, it brought them within a score. And so I think it was 22-29 at that point. And so uh, you're so 20, and, 22, 28. Yeah. So you're, you're within, you know, if you, if you stop touchdown, extra point, take the lead. So I get it in, in like in, in a universe where your defense has stopped them. And I guess, you know, you're hoping for the, for the fumble again, but given what Oregon had just done, you know, like the last two right. drives, I mean, essentially it, you're betting on them screwing up in yep. some way and they which didn't seem to be maybe not the best bet and then Here, right here's what the, got me about yeah. that here's what got me about that by the way like i know you and i are both i think advocates of high variance strategies right mm-hmm. and it's like so early on rolovich does that right he goes for two when the, the when the situation presents itself they, they, try they get a, a penalty little, like, and they get down to the one and a half yeah. yard line yeah so they try i mean it doesn't work but they try and i um, you know which, I, on that i I, you said this, and I'm going to steal it from you. Yeah. If if you're going to go, if if that yard and a half made a difference to you, run the ball. Right. Like, yeah. why are you throwing the ball? Because that the, throwing from the three and throwing from the one, one and a half is almost identical. If you're gonna, if you're deciding to go for it from that that range, just run the ball. Yep. Otherwise, you could have just gone for it from the three, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's and like, I mean, maybe there's some like you know, coach galaxy brain thing where they talk themselves into okay, well now that they're more now that it's from the one and a half, yeah. maybe they'll think we're gonna run it, but yeah. we're actually gonna you know, and it's just I mean, coaches outsmart themselves all the time. Um, I don't think anybody would have faulted him if they had just handed the ball off at that to, up to that point. They had been running the ball well. 
right? Like, I mean, the, yeah, McIntosh was gashing them in yeah, the first the half. The run got shut down in the second half, but but on the in the first half, it was it was working. So yeah, I think um, it didn't really make a lot of sense that way. But sorry, Theo, I got to say it. Theo tweeted. Theo Lawson tweeted some point in the first half that uh, uh, McIntosh, I think he was at like 60 yards in like the first quarter. And he's like, he got 100 last week. He's going to get 100 again. Yeah, yeah. Like he's well on his way. And then, but never tweet. So, yeah. So go for that. And then on the ensuing kickoff, they try a little like kind of pooch kick, right? Um, Trying to recover it, which is like, hey, cool. You know, like it, it didn't, again, didn't work. But I'm looking at that going, okay, this is a coach that kind of gets it, right? Like, like you're playing a team, you're outmanned, you're going to need a little something, right, to get over the top. An extra point here, uh, you know, like maybe an extra possession from an onside kick there. You know, if you think you can get it, go for it. But, you know, you got you got to try something to maximize maximize your points. And... Then you get into the fourth quarter and you're down by two possessions and you are on the, you know, their seven yard line. You, it's not like this is from the, the, it's not like it was fourth and four from the 23. Like this is fourth and four from the seven. So like, you know, to not go for it and to take the field goal to pull you within six when they've been running up your ass for a, you know, for basically an entire quarter. It's just, I don't know. It didn't make any sense to me. And just at least just in terms of a cohesive game strategy point of view where it's like, okay, either we're maximizing our points or we're not. And at some point something changed and I don't know what would change. Cause there was definitely uh, no evidence that the defense was going to step up at that point. Yeah. And I think ultimately what we've found it. And when you watch lots of games, I'm not sure there's any, coach who has a consistent philosophy that is like in this absolutely we will always do this in this situation no matter the game state no matter what's going on we're always looking for these points like that's what we do um we we see this with the seahawks coach on sunday like there's it just seems like random stuff and even leach who ever and and rolovich are both like two of the guys that go for it a lot with Leach, we would see like some head scratching situations where he punted the ball and didn't go for it or whatever. Um, right. And then the, the same thing, yeah. It's like, I mean, if yeah, if you think that you need everything, then why aren't you going for everything? And again, I I think it's a it's a it's it's a mental thing of being in the game because right. if you don't get the touchdown, you're down by nine. It feels like you're you're two scores down. It's over, but you can kick the field goal. You have a great field goal kicker. You know he's going to make it, um, even though it's a, one of those super hard angles, and he had to like kick it straight sideways. Um, but uh, but he's a great field goal kicker. He's going to make it. So you know you, you, those three are in your pocket. You and truly on that on that next possession, they got to third and long, and even us grouches who are still mad that they didn't get are like, okay, well shit, get this, stop them on third down right here. Get off. Right. I think it was like third yeah. and eight, third and seven, yeah. get off the field right now and go score a touchdown and win this game. Like go do it. Yeah. Nope. Uh, <laughs> nope. Dicker draws up a blitz. It dials up. <laughs> I don't know why blitzes are dialed up. Yeah. Uh, that, Ends up with Ron Stone, the defensive end, covering um, 
Travis Die. That's amazing. I was going to say Jermaine Die. <laughs> <laughs> For my 90s baseball kids. Yeah. Um, uh, Travis Die, who's one of the faster guys on Oregon. And yeah. predictably, he torches him. Again, the blitz doesn't get home fast enough. I uh, Woods, I think they were hoping he was going to have a direct path. He kind of had to run around the guard, like the, the center in between the guard, to get to him. And he almost got to him, but he didn't quite get to him. And that was all the time uh, that Shuck needed to hit a wide-open die on the wheel route. And he was you know, gone. Yeah. And the game is Whoopsies. over. I, said, I mean, it wasn't over. WSU came back and... <laughs> Scored a touchdown, had or you know, came back, uh, got within seven again, and you know there was a chance, but they gave up a touchdown again, and and, and then then it was really over. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's yeah, just frustrating in that way, you know, to feel like eh, maybe you got a chance, but I, you know, to have it to have it not really, I don't know, man, it just like to me, it just never felt like that that second half, it was ever like a really serious chance. Like it just, well, it yeah, felt like when, we were getting yeah. bullied it, and it just was not, I don't know. Like it, again, like a lot of that had to do with them. They kind of got ahead by two, you know, we weren't moving the ball at all. And then by the time we find yeah, once it's going two score out, down to one, two score down to yeah, one, you're just chasing yeah. and, yeah. and you need something. They were, special and they were chasing happen. the whole way. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't feel good about the defense at all. Um, you know, are they marginally better? Sure. Like, like I'll give you like, they are a little bit better. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at the comments right now on my, on my column and a couple people are like, Hey, I think the defense is way, way better. And I'm like, eh, I mean, yeah, we shouldn't okay, so, look too hard into, you know, fumble recoveries. Yeah. Well, in last year they were okay. They last year they were like what? 115th or whatever in S and P and, and, you know, those different metrics. And this year as near as I can tell, they're around a hundred. They're like 90 now. So it's like, okay, great. Now you're, now you're merely, and I guess the the way I put it in my column was, um, you know, we've gone from a train wreck to a multi-car collision. Like it's, you know, it's still bad. It's still not good good but at least it's you know at at least it's a little better i don't know it's i think there's definitely what there's there's more athletes there's more playmakers and spots like crowder and jackson and stones playing pretty well like i mean i'm not faulting him for not being able to chase travis died on the sideline yeah uh and then you have you know hector who came out of nowhere and and he's He's playing solid. Um, Watson, the corner, is not being tested in any way whatsoever, and that's yeah, a great that, sign. That's really nice. Yeah. So, like, there, there's definitely better players. Um, surprisingly, it it does seem that Oregon has, like, with Shuck running the offense this year, with with the way maybe they're they're making it a little easier for him. The, their offense might actually be better than it was with Herbert. And so I, I just don't. Well, they definitely have a better offensive coordinator. They like definitely have better offensive. Yeah, like that's a big part of it. Moorhead is a significant upgrade. And so that I, I, I think like if you're comparing like this one to last year, obviously I, I think WSU was able to control a game a little bit more in Eugene last year with their their own offense. But um, yeah, it's it, the defense is there. There's still 
enough holes that what we saw in the second half can happen. Like they right. just, and, and plus Rolovich has talked about, and, and I don't know how many guys they were missing this week, but you know, they've been missing guys. They don't, maybe don't have their full complement of guys. Maybe they're getting tired by the end. Who knows? Um, you know, now we have uh, Will Rogers is transferring in the transfer portal. Yeah, we haven't even and touched so that one. Yet. Ron Stone's going to be playing even more. <laughs> like so, um, hopefully not having to chase too many running backs eighty yards again. Uh, but yeah. but yeah, so it's you know it, it comes to the point where like maybe your best eleven is solid, but if you got it, you have to rotate them out. And if you're not rotating them out, they are going to get tired yeah and 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 an offense as good as oregon's with as many athletes as they have you're talking about die was not even involved in the game for three quarters almost and then by the end of the game you're like that dude might be the player of the game yeah like he absolutely torched wsu like down the stretch and he wasn't even a, a factor for three like two and a half quarters and and that's just because they they have those guys like that because Verdell was was beating them up before that like getting those little bits little bits they were more grinding through getting third down conversions and whatever but uh but once die got you know got going making big plays um then it you know we just they just had the guys um and Shuck is good man like he he looks he looks very good and the, what he can do with his legs and we talked about it in the preview. That makes it very tough because we saw on – I think it was Oregon's first touchdown with the, to the big tight end. Uh, the the defender committed to Shuck because he thought he was going to run, left the tight end, and and he was open for the for to run in for a touchdown. So when you, when you got a guy like that, that, that puts your defense, which already is kind of behind the bar, it, puts him, it makes it even more difficult when you have a guy that can beat you in multiple ways. So – yeah, I, 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 the defense is still bad. I feel a little bit better about it than I do did last year, but yeah, I still, it's still like a liability overall. Yeah, I, I, I want to believe, <laughs> like I really do, like I want to believe, but the the bad stretches, the second halves, have been so yeah. bad. Because let's not forget about what Oregon State did in the fourth quarter. And last then what? Week, and then what? Week. Oregon State didn't do against Washington on Saturday, yeah. which was anything. And I know, I know Washington's defense is good, and you know whatever. But it, it's it's like you know we got shredded in the second half by those guys. Um, and then again, you know against Oregon, you know shredded in the second half. Now maybe that's maybe we should be giving more credit to Jake Dickert. For maybe because maybe it's a like, hey, we scheme them up in the first half. We've done, you know, got a really good game plan and then it's hold on to your butts for a half. Like like maybe that's just the deal. You know, maybe we've got a guy who's who's really smart, really bright, comes up with a a really excellent game plan to hold the other team down for a while. Eventually and then eventually the other team sort of makes their adjustments, figure some things out. And then again, it's, you know, then the talent disparity becomes problematic. Um, so I, you know, I'm willing to say, I'm willing to admit, you know, that's, that's a possibility. Um, you know, I'm also willing to say, look, you know, maybe it is just a matter of, you know, something finally clicking, um, where, you know, it's, it's like, like whatever these minor execution issues are, 
um, you know, come back. I mean, like, like, let's just talk about that, you know, terrible play at the end of the half again. I mean, I, I, I could totally see a scenario where that sort of thing is more likely to happen because, uh, because you got a new staff and that's a situational yeah. thing. Yeah. And okay. So now we've got to communicate a situational thing and nobody's been in that situation with the staff before. And so, you know, the situation got fucked up. Okay. So, I mean, there's, so maybe, maybe as the year goes on, maybe more of that stuff, um, you know, gets cleaned up. Uh, you know, and some of the teams are going to play, frankly, are looking like they're not necessarily offensive juggernauts. Like, uh, you know, Washington certainly didn't look very good. And, uh, you know, Cal looked really terrible. Now, maybe those are just, you know, circumstances from, you know, two teams where, um, you know, they didn't play last week. Right. You know, so maybe that's the and you know Cal's is even worse than that, right? I mean they they had yeah. to, they traveled down to UCLA with about forty eight hours worth of notice to go play that game. So, you know maybe there's nothing to read into that. But it, it you know I don't think any of us thought Cal or UW's offense were going to be all that good. Um, you know when the season started, I do think this weekend Stanford whatever the over is on that game probably isn't high enough. Um, you know, Stanford scored a bunch of points against, against Colorado. They, they really should have scored more points against Oregon. We already went over why that didn't happen. Um, so there, there's going to be yards on yards on yards, probably on Saturday, uh, for that game. But, you know, maybe the defense can, again, you know, maybe the, maybe this weekend they'll get lucky and David Shaw will outsmart himself and do something that he doesn't need to do in order to try and score points. Yeah. And I, yeah, I I think your point of, uh, yeah, maybe there, there's definitely some things that are like, yeah, maybe the guys are just figuring out a new defense um, and we should give them a little leeway, uh, especially when, you know, you didn't come in with like this, you know, the most talented group, uh, even though we, we've seen some guys, new guys come in that are definitely weren't contributing last year, but are definitely contributing this year that I think have risen the talent level overall. Um, you, know, you still have those maybe mistakes that happen, but yeah, I think um, I think let's let's take a break and maybe we'll talk about some of the positives. Talk about the offense a little bit and uh, just you know some of the general positives. Maybe why we don't like even the even though the loss was frustrating for some reasons, like the, there is some positivity coming out of this. And we're back. All right. Um, let's get positive. Well. Let's before we get into the positives, I want to talk about the beer I'm drinking and the beer you're <laughs> drinking. So sorry, sorry on the on the oversell there, but we are going to get into that in a second. Um, but this is our hundredth episode, and so we got to yeah. be drinking. So what are you drinking for number one hundred, Jeff? Well, uh, I would love to say that I put a lot of thought into this, but I totally did not. So this is I am having the Matchless Citra Enigma Hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it's outstanding. Uh, so it is, let's see the the hops, as you might imagine, are Citra and Enigma hops. Um, I don't, I can't say that I've ever knowingly had a beer with Enigma hops in it. Uh, I think you probably have, they just don't advertise it that much. Yeah, maybe that probably, but they are know. new. They are a, a new hop variety. Yeah. So, and the malt is uh, Pilsner and flaked wheat. The yeast is juice and the descriptors are, it says puzzling question mark. So. There we go for this beer. It's tasty. It's a good yeah. deal. Um, I think uh, 
sometimes uh, this podcast is a bit of an enigma. You know, you you I would agree. You, you think they're just going to talk about football, and then suddenly they stop in the <laughs> middle of it and talk about beer in the middle of talking about a game. Like, ah, who does that? That's just it's it's as as it's defined on Google. It's mysterious, puzzling, and difficult to understand. Um, but yes. as we've said, we don't care. Um, we don't. So perfect choice, Jeff. Man, I you must put so much thought into into picking the Enigma beer. Um, <laughs> yeah. How about you? So I did put thought into it. I I, I went. I know you did. You're I, good at that. I went down to my cellar and I perused my cellar. And I was gonna say it probably helps to have a lot of options when you're putting thought into it. Because I opened my fridge and I'm like, oh, here's the three different beers I've got right now. Yeah, I basically have a beer store in my basement, so I have a lot of options. Um, but I went, I went deep into one I've been saving and and whatever. Um, so as I said, like not a lot of podcasts make it to a hundred. Like, like I always say in like Coog Center in like blog years, it's like a hundred years old because it's, you know, yeah. we're, we're in we're in like year uh, twelve or something at this point. And, uh, or year 13, actually. Um, so, but a hundred episodes of podcast is also pretty ancient. And that's why I went with, uh, Fremont ancient one, dark star, uh, bourbon barrel age oatmeal stout, um, from 2016. Um, this is not, they've produced two, uh, they've produced ancient one twice. One was a, this like Huron Hunting Club only member beer. And then this one they released to the public. Um, they released two beers, the Dark Star, Ancient One Dark Star and Ancient One B-Bomb. Um, so this one I haven't had since the, well, I've had it since, but um, that was like a, a, a brief tasting at um, a, a, a beer tasting where we did like 20 barrel aged stouts and then rank them and stuff. So um, that was the only other time I've had it. It was very small pour. Uh, but uh, before that, I had had it at the release, which was in 2016. I waited. Um, a, a funny story on this. I actually waited all day outside of Fremont. Like, we got there, you know, like 7 in the morning outside Fremont Brewing. And the funny thing is, uh, a lot of breweries will prevent you from, you know, drinking in line while you're waiting for these beers. But Fremont, you're just standing on a public street. So it's not their job to police you like it's literally the police's job to police you even though like uh and i've i've done this like we do bottle shares in these lines and i've seen police drive by and they don't do anything about it so, <laughs> so i've been not too worried about that having a great time all day i was very near the front of the line um for so, so before they they came out and handed out these tokens to everyone in line to make sure that if you're in line, you'll get the beer. So, like, cutters couldn't just come in at the last second and get beer. Um, for some reason, I was, like, talking to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I, I, I look over, and everyone's got these tokens in hand. Like, wait, when did they? Because they had come out and said, like, you know, stay here. We're about to hand out the tokens. We're like, okay. And I look at my friends, and they're like, you didn't get token? I'm like, no, I didn't get the tokens. I've been waiting here since like, you know, seven in the morning yeah. to get this beer. Like literally one, one each. Like you get one, one of the Dark Star, one of the B-Bomb. So I, I literally book it around 
the block. Like, I don't know if you've been to Fremont Brewing. Like, there's, like, it it takes up, like, you know, quite part of a block. And you yeah. can run around the back. Yeah. There's, like, this, like, uh, sh- sh- like greenery store around the back. And and you, I ran all the way to the end. And they had just handed out the last tokens. Like, but I, so I, I tell the person, and they're like, well, and I'm like, I've been here all day. And they know I've been there all day. They've seen me in line. You know, they come hand out donuts. They come and see what we're drinking. You know, I think it's fun. And so I, um, I, uh, he, he's like, okay, like they take me back in the back and they've got like a, they got some, like, they're like, okay, we have some spare ones just for this situation. So they gave me two of the spare tokens. Oh, and so I was like, that's wonderful. Hugely. If I come back, all my friends are like, oh my God, dude, we're so worried for you. Like so worried that I couldn't, you know, spend like the inordinate, like ridiculous prices for this little <laughs> bottle of beer. Um, uh, but so yeah, I, I got my beer. Um, the Dark Star is actually the harder to get one because they actually distributed some of it out, as Freeman always does. Um, a far less, like you know, a a bar would get six of these. You know, a, a bottle shop would get six of them. And and usually it was the B bomb, so I got a couple extra B bomb, but I only have ever gotten one of the Dark Star. So this is my one bottle of it. Um, that's why I chose it. It was a little more special because it, yeah. it's just a, uh, you know, it's my one bottle. Um, and yeah, it's so. Uh, what is it? Uh, it is the the reason it's called Ancient One. Um, it is a blend of eighteen and thirty month bourbon barrel aged Dark Star. So um, some of the Dark Star was aged 18 months in barrels. Some of it was aged 30 months in barrels. Do that math. Mm, um, yeah. and, and the barrels they used was a blend of 12-year-old he- Heaven Hills barrels and 35-year-old Heaven's Hills barrels. And, and the story on these barrels is basically um, there's been other beers made with them. Basically, Heaven Hills forgot that they had these barrels. There was whiskey aging in these barrels. And I think the whiskey wasn't very good. Um, but 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 they've they've so there's been other beers like um, Goose Island Rare um, and and a few other beers that have gotten uh, uh, breweries that have gotten a hold of these um, barrels and and truthfully I, I think maybe um, the barrel master at Fremont used to work at Goose Island so I wonder if there was a connection there where they where they were able to get, hook up and get these like special barrels um, so. Yeah, they these this was aged so they're saying using these rare 35-year-old bourbon barrels adds an extra layer of intensity and complexity creating a truly unique beer. I will tell you when this beer was fresh, it was hot as fuck and tasted like as much like whiskey as it did like a stout. Like it was <laughs> it was burning. Like it it was tasty. Like it was so like like I said it's unique cuz like you know, like but it was those, just like straight. Booze. It was it was very boozy. It's definitely mellowed out in like the four and a half years since I bought the. And it says, it says, uh, please do enjoy this barrel aged ale today. But know that ancient bourbon dark star will age gracefully for at least another five years. So it's been about four and a half years um, since it was this was released. Uh, so it's definitely the the whiskey is still present. Like this prob- this has more kind of like bourbon presence than uh like a fresh dark star regular barrel aged dark star would like the the typical one that's aged in like uh 12 and 18 uh, uh i think it's typically just aged in 12 year barrels um so it 
it it still has probably more bourbon presence than that, but it still has that great base beer that the Bourbon Barrel Dark Star has, which is not, right. by the way, that canned Dark Star you get at the store, um, which is <laughs> another great beer because you cannot take an eight percent beer, put it in bourbon barrels, and have it come out a fourteen and a half percent beer. That's not how that works. Um, what Fremont does is bourbon is is ages a barrel. They brew a barrel strength dark star which is like 14 percent, and that's what the agent barrels because that holds up to the the oak and the whiskey a lot better and doesn't get overpowered i mean it still got overpowered in this beer because it was just such a strong barrel um that was so saturated after 35 years um you know they talk about the the angel <laughs> share the, the angel yeah. share i can't even imagine there i mean those barrels must have been very like a, a lot of there must have been a lot missing or whatever and you know that had been uh, evaporated into the wood um but but yeah this is very good it's a very very good just straight up regular old barrel aged out um i'd encourage you to um i i talk about them all the time a don't drink beer did a great review of these beers years ago um and uh it, it was spot on this is just a phenomenal straight up barrel aged out with no frills you know obviously 35 years is a thrill frill but no you know no cocoa no no coconuts no no oreos or marshmallow or whatever all the stouts have in them now this is straight up old school you know bourbon barrel aged out and i love it um and it's probably very likely the last time i will ever drink it unless they make it again but actually but in terms of this vintage 2016 i i uh won't ever taste it again. So I'm glad I'm drinking the whole goddamn bottle myself because it's episode 100, <laughs> baby. I'm drinking that ancient one. Um, and I just, obviously, I'm very excited about it. I have a story behind it. Um, it. It came in this ridiculous double wax. It has black wax with white wax on top of it. That was really fun to open. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really cool. You know, just go down to your, your, your uh, Safeway, pick it up off the shelf. Um, uh, <laughs> And, and grab it it'll be yeah. nice and tasty yeah, it'll be right there it'll be right yeah. there but yeah um so yeah uh ancient one dark star check it out um yeah. uh sorry i couldn't share it with you jeff <laughs> i am too that would be great <laughs> well i still Although have I one of have, the... i told you i did have the anniversary stout yes um, fremont that you gave me the other day and that well was... i get it was Fantastic. more of a trade because you gave me some yeah, beer. Yeah, yeah. Some that's beer, true. So. That's true. But it was, yeah, it was awesome, man. I had that during the Cougar game. It's fantastic. Yeah. If you yeah. like cherry, man. If you like cherry yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was so. so much cherry in that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I was that like, makes it wow. a very divisive beer. Some people are like, fuck this cherry. It is too much cherry. I'm kind of on imagine. the fence. It, the beer is so well done. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh, if the cherry wasn't there, I would enjoy this more. But yeah. I still think the cherry provides a unique aspect because it's actually done well. Yeah. Like there's a lot of cherry stouts that are just straight up trash. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's sometimes a, they get a little like uh, the cherry tastes like artificially sweet. Yes. Yeah. And that that was not the case on this one. Like it like it, this one tasted like kind of like a chocolate covered cherry, yeah. you know, where it was, um, you know, you get it, mostly the, the chocolate is dominating the you know the, the kind of the dark bitterness of the of the chocolate is dominating with with sort of the the cherry flavor underneath that and it was yeah it was super good i loved it and, but i i like that i like that flavor profile in general so yeah and what they did a good job with that one is like uh 
so a, a a cherryish flavor if a beer gets um certain like unwanted bacteria or yeast in it like it could it can get like and, and gets infected as they say it can get sort of a cherry flavor to it so sometimes people kind of like the infected stouts because they like that um because it gets this like kind of acidic cherry notes to it so sometimes people will taste a cherry stout and think it's infected um, but Fremont did a really good job incorporating the cherry in on that beer so that it doesn't taste like it's like a sour beer. It just tastes like it's right. a cherry, like you said, yep. a chocolate covered cherry. Yep. But we're not drinking that beer right now. No. But but a, hey, uh, good call out <laughs> for for that that good beer. Um, I, I am bummed on those ones. Like I was thinking about it. It is just one year behind. Fremont started in 2009 and Kook Center started in 2008. So it's just like one year off of the anniversaries. Otherwise, we could have yeah. those anniversary beers every year for our Kook Center anniversary. But, oh, that would have been cool. But sadly, no. Um, Alas. Alas. All right. Let's 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 talk about the positives we got from, yeah. from the football game. You can there's stop, a lot of them. Again, you can stop, skip, pressing the plus 30 button. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think there was definitely positives. One, I think Oregon is better than I thought they are. So like, I, I think so. I, I think they're kind of li- living up to the hype. I think they're a very good team. Um, they are very talented. That there especially are, on defense, there man. are just some. There are some plays that I saw made by some of the, like Sewell, the the true freshman. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there are just some plays that you saw their guys make that are like those are studs yeah, and like big boy plays if that if they were not in that game that plays going for yardage they're in that game it's not like that yep um so yeah they're very talented which with that in mind wsu's defense or offense did some like very particularly early on did some really good things yeah i mean a you know total put up 421 yards 6.4 yards per play, which is not good, but also is not bad. I mean, that's, you know, we've, we've had some that are, that are pretty terrible. And to be honest, the, the big difference between, uh, you know, this game and the game before was simply the inability to run the ball after halftime like that. Yep. Like that's really where, um, you know, that, that's really where the, the, the difference came in and, and the, you know, the, basically the explosives, right? So like we were talking about these drives earlier and, you know, we were talking about how, you know, after the turnovers, of course we want to be greedy and we want to, you know, score and we want, you know, everything, but it's like, look, I mean, Oregon, you know, they, they have something to say about that, right? Like, yep. like, like they, they get some influence over that and, you know, after two, you know, pretty explosive drives where you had, you know, six plays, 77 yards over three minutes for the first TD. And then you had four plays, 53 yards for the second TD over uh, a minute, 33. Right. So like two relatively quick scoring drives, uh, 10 play covering, you know, 10 plays covering 130 yards. Like that's, that's really good. Yeah. We're used to, we're, we're used to air raid where we were just like it was basically like grinding out drives right like getting you know six seven eight yards right but this is a more vertical attack right you're you're feeling like you want those quick drives like those should be happening if it's running well 
But what happened after that was, okay, three plays minus two we talked about, and then seven plays, 35 yards for a field goal. So that's five yards a play. 13 plays, 59 yards. That's another, that's like four yards a play, right? And then yeah. you've got, or actually well, maybe like four and five, a half, or... four and a half yards of play, which is again, pretty awful. Um, and then of course the, the, you know, one play, the kneel down, and then you had six plays for 12 yards, two yards of play, three plays for eight yards, less than three yards of play. Like that was, that was the series of drives. So they had one, two, three, four, five drives where they scored two field goals had three punts and they averaged probably like four yards or so a play. Um, so that was, you know, that was real tough sledding. And then you had after that, then we finally, we got back into, okay, seven plays, 79 yards. That's the one that ends in the field goal, which we already talked about. Uh, nine plays, 74 yards for a touchdown. Again, that's, you know, some nice, nice yardage there. So, it, you know, it, it was that real, that, that, that middle, you know, those middle five drives, uh, that really were killer. Um, but you know, I mean, Oregon's defense is real, real good. I mean, you talked about that, and I'm, I'm encouraged, man. Twenty nine points. I think. Listen, I think when we go through this season, you're going to see a lot of teams struggle to put up twenty nine points against that defense. Um, and and maybe I proved to be wrong, but I, but I really do, legitimately believe that twenty nine points against that defense is actually going to prove to be a, a, a pretty darn good total. And you know, as encouraging as anything was, you know, Jaden Delora again. Uh, was great, uh, had a better game, really, by just about any measure than he had in the first game yeah. um, against a better defense. You know, he threw for, uh, what was it, like about eight and a half yards per attempt, um, which is great. At uh, least, like, I, I, again, I think against that Oregon defense. Now, I, I do think their one vulnerability is getting stretched deep. We saw that. And early on, Oregon was sort of like they were kind of messed, messed up trying to cover yeah. guys deep. And and that's a lot of where I think McIntosh found some room to run early on. And, and Oregon seemed to kind of figure that out. But still, um, you know, 321 yards on 39 attempts is fantastic. Uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions, you know, kept his cool even as the game was was kind of nearing its end. And, and he could have started forcing some stuff into some really bad spots. Um, still didn't do it. I think he had some opportunities to run that he didn't take. Um, I I think so. So what that looked like to me was um, a guy whose coaching staff talked to him last week about, Hey man, keep your eyes downfield. Keep looking downfield. Don't be so quick to run. So then he goes out there this game and it's, you know, I've got 15 yards of grass in front of me, but I'm going to go ahead and make a throw because my coaching staff wants me to look downfield. Right. Like, like that's kind of what it looked like to me was the classic, you know, don't, don't run. If, if you've got, you know, keep your head up, which of course you want him to do. So, uh, you know, he'll figure out that balance. Um, he'll figure out when the times are to, to tuck it and go and when the times are to, to keep looking downfield. And, you know, ultimately he, you know, he takes good care of the ball. He seems to make good decisions. Uh, you know, his throwing was excellent in this game. He was, you know, real close to two other big play touchdowns, one to Travell Harris, one to Jameer Calvin. Um, so yeah, nothing but positive, nothing but good things continues to play like someone who just absolutely does not look like a freshman. Um, it, it's really kind of wild. And I think we would, I think we're impressed anyway, but I think we'd be even more blown away if we hadn't had such, you know, incredible quarterback play for the last, you know, seven years or so. Um, you know, for us, it's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, another quarterback playing really well. Um, I, I think at, at most other schools, if, if, if they had a true freshman playing like this, they'd be, 
you know, they'd be doing backflips. And, and I think we're, I think we're all appreciating it, but I also think on some level we're like, Oh yeah, good. we get good quarterbacks. That's what we do at Wazoo. Um, he, he really is something special, man. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like, I watch, I, you may, I think you watch some of it too. Um, but I watched the UW Oregon state game oh and, my God. and you have, uh, Two guys who were both highly regarded at high school, high, rated higher than Jaden Delora, and just looking much terrible. Higher. Rated much higher. Like, like let's not higher. like let's not mince words. Like much much higher. And and they just they're struggling. And I I mean UW is 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 not really trying to throw the ball much, but also when they do, it's not looking very good. And Trish and uh, Jebbia like. Jeez, now like after watching that, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling not so good about WSU's defense, especially because <laughs> um, he yeah. looked completely Ugh. lost. And yeah. so, um, yeah, so it's you look at that and you're like, how do we just continue to get dudes that can throw the ball? Like Jaden is the highest rated quarterback we've had, and uh, as as a starter, and you know. A while, <laughs> like um, for sure, like probably yeah. since man, I don't know. Connor, Connor was probably about in that range. Probably about in that range, but obviously Falk was a walk on. Gardner was a walk on yep. originally. Yep. Uh, Gordon didn't even get a scholarship. Gordo had offer. no scholarship offers yeah. in high school. So, uh, so, and they were all you know good. And then we have. This freshman who, yeah, he missed a couple of throws. Every quarterback misses throws. Um, he made a few decisions where you're like, you know, come on, man. Like, maybe don't slide so early. You're two yards short of the first down. Get the first down. Um, or he, you know, uh, went to throw a lead block on a run. You're like, okay, what are you doing? Like, why are you willing yeah. to throw your body up for that and, and not the other thing? It's like, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, you like that. I mean, that play right there is how you be, you know, that's, I, this is going to sound very like talk radio ish, but like you do shit like that. The team is going to rally around you. Like if you're, if you're throwing a yeah. lead block on a, on a run, like hell yeah, dude. Like, I think that's legit. That's not even just talk radio. Yeah, I think that's he, legit. He, he got he got roughed up a bit on that too. Um, he threw that block and then he kind of got mushed between a couple guys. So you're like, yeah. careful, man. Um, but again, like he's a freshman, he's trying to be that leader. And as a quarterback, you're supposed to be, and that's very hard as a you know an 18 year old coming in to do that. But yeah, like I he has exceeded. My like I'm, I'm telling the offense in general has exceeded my expectations to this point. Yeah, uh, ha, given you know the constraints that they've had, given and uh, there's it's such a timing based offense, and and people you know I, I I get frustrated. It's been a couple games in a row. They're like, well, it's very similar to the air raid. It's like oh, no, it's not. God. Like it's... <laughs> the route trees are completely different. Yeah. You're throwing on timing based on open spaces. Like it's it's completely different. Like yeah. you're making you're 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 your receivers and quarterbacks need to be making the same decisions, looking at they're 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 making assessments, and this is stuff that you're gonna get. You're supposed to get through repetition, and like obviously 
you should have figured this out by now. If you're watching, they stretch the field a hell of a lot more in this. Like you're you're looking at vertical throws, and Jaden he misses some. All quarterbacks miss forty yard throws. It happens, but like, and I, I know that that one to Travell was particularly frustrating, um, where he caught. They called it inbounds, and but he wasn't inbounds. And but if a better throw, he would have walked into the end zone. But but yeah, but those those are going to happen. But overall, man, like this this kid is it's his second game ever. He was playing, you know, what's probably a top fifteen defense in the country. Um, like I I'm I'm at least like and and probably even more so in terms of talent, and we talked about that in the preview. And and he like twenty five of thirty nine for three twenty one and two scores, no picks, only took one sack. He definitely could have been sacked many more times. Um, his escapability, it, it keeps drives going that otherwise would have been, you know, halted. Um, he could, he didn't, wasn't able to get out and run like he what like he did against Oregon state. Um, I think, you know, after having a game of tape, obviously Oregon was probably looking for that a little bit more and they have better athletes to cover that. So, um, when you have like some of the dudes in on the linebackers and defensive ends, that can run like like they do, you know, it's like, it's, it's a little harder to get loose, but yeah, I mean, there were multiple times in that game where somebody looked like they had, you know, both, it was really near the line of scrimmage where it was really noticeable, right? Yeah. Like where it looked like Delora had some space to run or it looked like Dion McIntosh had some space to run. And then dude just like chases him down from behind. Thibodeau or Sewell or someone. God. And you were just like, Sewell is impressive, man. I guess you're like, what the hell? Like, yeah, there, there definitely was, was some of that in the game. And, and I think part of Delora too, like, you know, I mean, he left a little bit on the table. Like, like there was, yeah. there was still some meat left on that bone. You know, I mean, there was, there was, uh, you know, the throw I think you referenced there, where he, you know, where a better throw and Travell Harris sort of waltzes into the end zone, but it was underthrown, and um, and then he ends up stepping on the sideline just barely, right, as he's as he's trying to catch the ball. Um, and then there was another one where you could see they show the replay. And you could see Lucas Bacon just like all alone, absolutely. <laughs> like absolutely alone, <laughs> running toward the the end zone, and he just never saw him. So um, yeah, so you imagine stuff like that probably isn't going to happen a whole lot. But then of course he makes throws like the touchdown to Bacon, where you know they you know Oregon's got their little cover too, and he just fires a freaking dart right in between. That's the, arm strength the, right there, man. Yeah, right? and that's right in between the the corner who's kind of sitting a little lower and the safety who's not quite there yet. And, and that throw had to be, I mean, that had to be thrown with some heat into a tight window and it it was an incredible throw. So yeah, yeah, he threw it so well. It looked like bacon was wide open. Yeah. But but he wasn't, but yeah, (laughs) like that, that (laughs) Oregon has their defensive backs designed to where a quarterback has to make a perfect throw for that play to work. And he did. And yep. and that was, I, I was going to say, that was one of the big positives. Lucas Bacon scored a touchdown in this game. Yeah. Lucas Bacon, a walk-on, he is not on scholarship, scored no. a touchdown against Oregon's defense. And I, it, it's so cool to see how the team has been so, so happy. And, and Yeah, that was one of the most fun things was, you know, the walk-ons, you know, those guys stick together. Um, because they're really the only ones who truly understand what it, what it means to be a walk on. 
And so you saw after the touchdown, you know, they show him celebrating on the sideline and they're oh so exciting. Lucas Bacon scored a touchdown and then they show it. And, and it's like, I swear, like all these walk-ons <laughs> that, that whose names, you know, we recognize as we're looking at these guys, um, you know, are coming up and patting them on the head. Yeah. Good job. And it's not like it was only walk-ons um, obviously, but it was definitely like, the walk-ons definitely made it a point to go over and, and, you know, dap up one of their own. So, uh, really, really cool scene, really, really cool scene on that. I do, I do sit there and kind of go, uh, you know, where's, where's Brandon Gray and where's Donovan Ollie and where's, you know, where are these big, big yeah. receivers that are supposed to be good? Why aren't, why are they not playing above the walk-on? But, um, but you know, good, hey, good he, for Lucas. He probably Bacon should have had two and, touchdowns in that game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really, he probably should have. So, um, you know, good for him, good on him, and um, and that's you know, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, really, would have liked to have been able to run the ball a little bit better. I think that would have made a pretty huge difference in the second half. But you know, I mean, Oregon's uh, Oregon's defense is you know really geared to you know Mario Cristobal is very much a um, an old school kind of coach just in terms of philosophy. Uh, you know, run the ball, stop the run. Those are his top two priorities, and. You know, at that point, uh, you know, he, he's going to try and make you one dimensional and and we were one dimensional. And, you know, that one dimension works pretty good until you get inside the 20 and then it and then it becomes real difficult. And that's kind of Oregon's recipe for success. I mean, I went and looked at their stats from last year. They were number two in the country last year in uh, red zone touchdown defense. Um, I think yep, they allowed, I remember that. from. Yeah, I think they allowed touchdowns on something like I think. 40% of drives inside the red zone or something like that, which is uh, a very, very low number. It's, it's normally uh, something like 60% for most teams. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're really good. That's what they do. And, you know, it's uh, through two weeks against Stanford and against us. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's what they've done. You know, they'll give up some yards and then they just get, it just gets really, real tough, you know, to penetrate once they get in there. And WSU did really, I think as well, you know, as well as you could have hoped for, uh, once they got in the red zone uh, against Oregon, I think, I think they did, you know, exceptionally well. They just needed to need to get down there maybe a couple more times, not have that, that, you know, that stretch in the middle of five drives where they really didn't, you know, move the ball at all. Yeah. Um, overall going forward from these first two games, I feel better about this team than they did yeah. at the start. A lot of that Absolutely. is, a lot of that is, it feels like we have a quarterback. Like it, um, I do think it would help a lot to be able to rotate the running back. Um, yeah. Max Borgie. Uh, or well, even just have our best running back. Yeah. As, having as great Max as McIntosh would been, be great. Um, you know, let's, let's be real. And, and, and let's, and let's be honest, like the way we've seen uh, Rolovich try to, you know, he did it again, got a ru- rushing play to Travell Harris. Who knows what he may, you know, maybe he's got something special, for Borgie as well, who we know is very good catching the ball out of the backfield, um, which is not something that has been in Rolovich's offense very much, to be honest. Uh, that there hasn't, like in the past, there haven't been a lot of running back catches, and we haven't seen outside of that shovel pass, which was cool yeah. by the way. Shovel pass is back. Shovel, shovel pass, pass lives. Um, outside of we saw a couple shovel passes to McIntosh. Other than that, you know, you the the running back is is chipping. He's he's when he's in there, he's part of pass protection typically, and he's not 
going out into the pattern at, versus the air raid where the running back was always over there on the right for you or he was running a wheel route or whatever. Um, so it's a little different, but it, it'd be interesting to see if we had Borgie. Um, McIntosh has been very good, um, but I really think that Borgie's got to be watching these games and going like, oh, my God, I could be yeah. tearing it up right now. Because oh, like, no McIntosh is like, you know, uh, he, he's putting up some numbers right now, and I'm sure Borgie's thinking, I want to put up those numbers. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, but Rolovich said today they don't know if he's going to come back this season, so uh, we probably shouldn't, you know, hope, uh, probably shouldn't expect it. Um, uh, but uh, it, it'd be, it would be nice right now if if they had him and, you know, I'd, McIntosh I'd, be, have to play I'd be satisfied if he was back for the Apple Cup. <laughs> like that'd be great. Like just like just give me Max Borgie for the Apple Cup, please. Yeah, <laughs> please, please, pretty please with sugar on top. And I'd, but I'd of course that. that's in less than two weeks. <laughs> I know. Like it's a that's week next Friday. week. It's next week. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, this Too shortened soon. season. But I will Too say I, I feel a lot better. Like what I was trying to say, I feel a lot better about the team. Yeah, yeah. Jaden Delora is a big part of that. A few yeah. more playmakers on defense big part of that we talked about that i feel a lot better about them getting to three or four wins versus you know one or two wins which was kind of yeah. my expectation coming in so 100 percent agree yeah and so overall yeah they lost yeah they didn't cover i really wanted them to score on that last drive just to yeah cover. so they could cover <laughs> yeah i i, I wasn't I betting too. on the game but champions cover and whatever but they didn't um, it's all about that touchdown at the end of the first half, man. Yep, there it is. There they don't give up that is. touchdown. They cover. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, football. Uh, yeah, we talked about it earlier. Uh, Will Wa- Will Rogers, uh, the third, is uh, yeah. in the transfer portal, which That's is a bummer. bummer. I have no yeah. idea. Like, it seems like there's got to be more to that story. Uh, you know, he, he played plenty. In uh, in the first two games, uh, I think he played a little bit less this last game, but overall he's played a ton. Um, I don't know, man. Very weird. Very, very, very weird. Uh, after the game, he posted a tweet with just a peace sign. Yeah, and that was it. You know, but then like you look through his timeline, and it's all. I, I mean, there's like no indications that he's having any negative thoughts about the school. Like it's just you know, and he's a he's a senior. Well, I'll say WSU uh, football player Twitter is definitely back. Like they are tweeting up a storm. Yeah, but yeah. it's like you know, I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at his tweets, and I'm like, you know, there's nothing. Everything there looks positive. He's you know, he's bought in, and uh, I, I don't man, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea, but but it is a bummer. Um, you know, I, I hope he's I hope he's well. I hope everything's good um because it's you know it's definitely not a good situation for the team they're they're already amazingly amazingly thin at uh on the defensive line thanks to you know mcdougall being out and and now he's gone so you know it's and willie taylor didn't play in this last game you know who's ostensibly one of your two or three best pass rushers so Mm -hmm. you know who knows if he's coming back this weekend i have no idea so it's uh yeah, it, it it pretty suddenly is looking looking like eh, I don't know. I mean, it's already a unit that I don't think we feel super great about. So uh, it's you know bummer. I hope he's okay. I hope everything's all right. I hope everything in his family's okay. I just um, it just you know it just sucks. You, you you'd like to see a guy like that end his career, uh, you know, you know going out the way he wants to go out, and maybe not you know transferring out in the middle of his senior year. 
Yeah, that's a bummer um, to, to lose him. But I, I, I did I, before we finished up here. I wanted to talk about uh, Hercules Mataafa, um, a guy who was amazing at WSU, uh, terrorized uh, the Pac-12, um, particularly in his junior season. Um, he declared early, went undrafted, has you know been injured and been struggling to make the team at Minnesota. But in, through the last couple weeks, has really been showing him that he belongs. Um, today on Monday Night Football, I uh, did you get to watch it? I, I didn't get to watch it, but no, I didn't get to watch any of it. I just know what uh, you know what was out there. Which yeah, was... obvi- yeah, obviously you you watch Twitter and then people are freaking out. And um, I, I I see uh, uh, you know people are uh, I, I saw um, you know people treat tweeting like that's one bad mataafa and that's like yeah we've been doing that at wsu yeah yeah not uh, original yeah our you know I, I tweeted like it's it's so cool when wsu stuff becomes mainstream like when gardner Minshew last year everyone was learning about gardner Minshew last right. year it's like yeah yeah we we know and now everyone learned everyone learned about clay thompson and his weirdness and like yeah we we knew about this guy <laughs> we knew he was weird but yeah so um but yeah so uh mataafa has been you know, doing what he did at WSU, he's been getting into backfields, causing havoc. He he uh, basically got a sack for one of his teammates today, um, and then also had a tackle tackle for loss for himself, a couple tackles overall, um, and just people, you know, NFL pundits, people on Twitter being like, "Hey, this guy is good," um, and it was really cool to see uh, Mataafa. He tweeted after the game. He tweeted, "I belong in this league!" All caps, exclamation point. Um, so he's obviously feeling really good yeah. about it, which is great because we always felt like, I mean, when he didn't get drafted, it was like, it felt like insanity. Yeah. You're like, I, I don't care if this dude is 15 pounds lighter than what he should be as a defensive end or a def- like whatever. It's like what, like he at 250 at WSU was playing an interior lineman position and just wrecking shop. Like there's talent there very clearly, and he's had some bad luck trying to get off the ground in the NFL. But it seems like he's healthy and he's getting to play, and it's it's just really fun to see him taking advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, that was you know the biggest thing was like you know hey how it's it's not like he was just like beating up on you know the FCS teams on the schedule or whatever. I mean, he was annihilating. I mean, you know, we remember future that NFL linemen. Remember that Utah game, like where he just basically won the game for WSU. Yeah, like he, like, you know, all the turnovers and like he was living he in the had backfield. Like four sacks in that game. I, it was yeah. insane. And then watching him, you know, just you know, eat up Stanford and their, you know, ma- making their linemen look like sloths, you know, and USC did the same thing to those guys. I mean, it was you know incredibly impressive. Uh, final season and and really really cool to see him get uh get an opportunity you know like you mentioned the bad injury luck you know he he had uh, i think he blew out his knee right something like that um you know as a rookie so didn't really get a chance there and then and then at one point this year was you know was cut um Mm -hmm. he was waived by by the vikings so um yeah super super awesome to see him 
you know, to see him have success, um, it, it always, always makes you feel good too. When it's a guy who, um, seemed to seem to leave WSU with a special connection to the school. Um, and he seems to be that kind of guy. I mean, he's on Twitter, you know, uh, cheering for cheering yep. for the Cougs during yep. their games. And, um, you know, those are the kinds of the, and, and not that, not that every player has to do that, but, but as a, you know, as Joe fan, you know, like you and I are, um, you know, we love our school, even though we didn't actually play football there. Um, you know, it's always cool when you see like the football players and, and, you know, those, those, those kinds of guys, um, you know, enjoying the school. It's the same, you know, you mentioned Clay Thompson, same kind of deal. Like, like, it's like, you know, when you see it, it makes them feel like one of us, which of course they are, but sometimes, you know, as a student, it doesn't always feel that way, right? I mean, the athletes live a pretty different life uh, than than you know your your run of the mill student. So mm-hmm. when you see athletes and and those things are in common, where you know they loved Pullman just the same way you did, um, you know those things always make you feel good. So yeah, definitely rooting for for Hercules and um, really really cool to see him have have a big night. And um, I hope he can he can parlay that into more. Uh, more success and you know the vikings won the game so that's always good too and they've been uh, winning quite a few lately yeah yeah they uh maybe not as bad as their early record showed and uh yeah herc had something to do with that which is very cool yeah yeah i hope you know i hope he plays well and then i hope he gets that big contract and uh he's set for life you know that's what i always hope for these guys um so yeah and it's just it's just you know when you feel like you know a guy can do something and and you just it just feels great to see that he gets to do it and then he gets recognition beyond your like subculture you know because you know basically it's like we knew him probably obviously some pac 12 teams knew him but they didn't get to watch him every week destroy uh, you know linemen so um we just we knew what he could do and we just need, knew he needed that opportunity, um, and and he's having that, and and I just uh, it'd be awesome to see him just continue it and, and and get more and more success, and and obviously he he deserves all of it, so yep. it's great. Yep, it's awesome. Cool, man. Um, I don't know. Is there any other uh, Coog news? Are we yeah, football do you, game? Do you realize that we are like nine days or eight days away from the beginning of the basketball season? That's uh, bonkers. Um, yeah, before the Apple Cup, we're going to have a basketball game. So I know. I have a couple, actually. No, just one, I think. Uh, just on the one. 25th. But still, it's um, absolutely but, nuts. Um, yeah, that's it's nuts. Um, it's, you know, I, we'll see. <laughs> I think uh, even Rolovich said... Um, um, you know, uh, I don't know when Borgie's going to come back. It depends on how many games we play. I don't know what he was referring to there, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure well, it was a couple things. I'm sure it was de- a bit of a, a, a double meaning. Um, obviously, uh, we're we're getting some more lockdown stuff, but so, yeah. but so it's hard. It's still it's again it's hard for me to get super excited. But but uh, I'll tell you, D- WC basketball been fucking crushing it on these videos they've been releasing with the assistant coaches yeah the boy andershek and, and the know. rest of the guys uh phelps and the rest and, you know it's, it's they, they've just been like crushing it with these videos and today they released one with all the newcomers talking about who this this recruiting class which is truly one of the best in, in program history um just on a, on a straight up numbers standpoint on a paper standpoint yep. but yep um 
just with the coach that uh the coaching staff that we have in place and the talent that they just brought in like you know i i said today it's a this this just feels like a like a class that's going to be like fondly remembered for a long long time at wsu so i'm really excited uh to watch them get in action you know whoever's going to be able to play yeah, I was going to get to see time in that first game just to just to see them go after. We obviously know a, our team is not the expectations are lower this year without LB, but um, and uh, and we'll, he'll find out his uh, NBA fortune soon. But uh, yeah, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, or Wednesday, yep. no Wednesday, Wednesday. So Wednesday. tomorrow for people who are listening to this, yeah, because they'll be let's do it on Tuesday. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, we'll it, see. Hopefully, he gets drafted, man. That'd yeah, be awesome. hopefully, yeah. hopefully he gets a good situation and. and and yeah, and and hopefully uh, all these uh, young guys uh, are as good as we think they're going to be, and I'm really excited to find out. Me too. I'm I'm excited to find out the schedule at <laughs> some point. Yeah. <laughs> you think? Or I think that'd be you know, cool. I, I I'm I'm I have a feeling we might be playing games before we know when the other games will be played. It just <laughs> kind of feels like. Hey, that. there's a game tonight. Wait, what? <laughs> There's a game. Yeah, don't worry about the rate. But we don't even know the schedule yet. Hey, well, Cal, Cal and UCLA, worry about know, that. Cal and yeah. UCLA know all about that. Yeah, we might end up playing Idaho 13 times. Yeah, like, well, let's, let's just play again. It's fine. Yeah. You know, we'll Cal and Spectrum across. or Beasley Coliseum tonight. Just drive Flip across, you know, whatever. Just play a little game. It'd be a good way to rack up wins. Do you think – so Idaho has that, like, small gym that they'll play some – their 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 original gym that they play some yeah. games in. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they would try to put put out the Cowan Spectrum in the Kibby Dome, or they would just play in that smaller gym? I think they would just play in the smaller gym, right? No, fans. I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. It seems like a lot of effort to, uh, you know, to do all that setup in the in the Kibby Dome for no fans. So, yeah. I would th- they'd probably play in the smaller one. And I, I'll, I'll I'll claim ignorance here. I don't know what the Big Sky's plans are. Um, for yeah, I don't know. I don't know about basketball. You know, I mean, obviously they're uh, they put off their football season yeah. until until spring. So I don't know. I I would imagine that they would try to play basketball um, just mm-hmm. because you know the conference gets uh, you know NCAA tournament win shares like everybody so else. I'll, I'll so, say I'll say they do have games on the schedule. So. Um, I don't Idaho know. Idaho does, or I, Idaho. Just the big Idaho's playing Cal Poly on uh, uh, the on Black Friday. So okay. Um, so they there do have go. games on the schedule. I feel like Google has been pretty decent about updating the the new games. So I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if that's true. That yeah, I'm seeing a full true. Big Sky schedule on Ken Palm. You're seeing a full one. A full Big Sky. Yeah, they got. Oh, so yeah. If Ken Palm has it on there, he he was very cautious about putting those games on there. Yeah. So, so here's what they're doing, though. This is wild. Um, so they are doing. They're you're going to travel to play a game against a team, and then you're going to play that team twice. Mm. Oh yeah, I'm like, seeing that in like three days or two days. Yeah, they're playing Sac State like right. Yeah, so they twice. play Sacramento State Arizona. twice away and then northern arizona comes up and they play twice uh at home and then southern utah they go there and play twice january 7th january 9th and then that's that's how it goes the whole way down that's crazy although it's yeah i mean that i mean, make, it, yeah, I mean it kind of makes sense crazy gonna, but it does make make some sense yeah yeah like 
you know, it's, I guess you would save, she would save on travel and then, you know, get your, which get your for full big sky teams, of, especially, which yeah. it matters for them. Um, you know, get your full slate of games in or, or something approaching your full slate of games that way. So rather than playing home and home, you just go play them twice, you know, although it does look like, so Portland state is a home and home. But everything else is and Eastern is a home and, and Eastern home. is a home and home. So which those that, are, obviously that makes sense. They're not. That's a short. But drive. Idaho State isn't, which is weird. Um, that's Weber pretty State far is not, which drive. Is weird. Right, like Idaho to uh, Moscow to Pocatello is a pretty far drive. Yeah, but Moscow to Portland is a far drive. Yeah, that's that's true. like a six-hour drive. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway. Whatever. Uh, Big Sky trying to be creative. Moscow to Pocatello, by the way, is almost nine hours. Is it really? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've been to Pocatello. It is deep, deep Idaho. So there you go. It is deep Idaho. You're almost in Wyoming at that point, or Utah. Okay. So, um, yeah, that that was when Amanda and I moved to Nashville many years ago, and we drove. We had a friend that was going to Idaho State for grad school, a WSU friend. So we stayed in Pocatello a night. Yeah. And then Montana, they're doing the away, away thing. On that one, even though Montana is probably probably like a six hour drive, right? Yeah, I would, yeah, I would think so. Missoula is probably like a six hour drive, so I don't know. Anyway, whatever. This is Idaho talk. We're, we're talking distances between cities. It's actually a four hour drive, four on fourteen minutes, oh, pretty good. Uh, we're talking distances between big sky cities. Welcome to the Big Sky Geography Podcast. Big Sky Podcast. Where we, we don't really talk uh, about sports. We talk about geography of yeah. the big sky. All right. Well, we'll have to have some kind of like, you know, some kind of football podcast or some kind of basketball podcast next week when there's maybe actually a schedule. Uh, hopefully that'll drop soon. I, I would I would hope, um, you know. Yeah. All we have is all we have is uh, <laughs> all we have is we have pairings, two, pairings, two weekends, we have general weekends and we have a, a few uh a few uh preseason games yeah um so. that we know of so that's it so that's it i'll give people something to look forward to for next week hopefully yeah. also a, a win over stanford next week but we will we'll have a preview for stanford we'll have a preview of stanford coming out on yep. friday we'll have that on friday and uh we'll have uh you know the recap on monday or tuesday depending on our, our own schedules yeah. Probably and Monday, how excited, considering how excited we are to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'll, I'll be um, I will be podcasting from Orcas Island uh, next, either if we do it Sunday or Monday. So uh, we got a we got a, like a cabin, so it's Ooh, fairly isolated. Yeah, um, I think I think any plans of visiting the brewery on Orcas Island have, have are, are no longer on the table. Um, it's 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 Amanda's birthday. And also, by the way, it's my my soon to be three year old's birthday tomorrow. So, um, woohoo! Uh, we're uh, we're blowing out uh, the good dinosaur yeah. birthday for that. Uh, she's one of the few kids that likes that movie. Um, <laughs> like, wait a minute, what movie? It's like, a Pixar movie. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. That like most people are like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, that it's movie? like I don't even remember that movie. One of the least no, I think the worst reviewed. Pixar movie is either like that Planes movie, which is like a spinoff of Cars, or Cars Two, which is is terrible. Um, those are worse, but like 
good di- dinosaurs poorly reviewed in that like on rotten tomatoes it's only got like a 72 percent, which is like pixar movies are like automatically always like 98 percent. so it's, yeah it's, it's it's one of the bad ones one of the forgotten ones it is fairly annoying i will say and a bit terrifying it's definitely terrifying for a three-year-old but she still likes it i don't i don't know why like she gets very scared watching it and she <laughs> there's a lot of fast forward and of course the dad dies at the start and of course. Uh, um you know because it's a it's a disney it's property, a pixar movie so, so there's got to be dead fathers dead fathers everywhere uh but yeah so we're celebrating that dead father uh terrifying dinosaur movie tomorrow Woo-hoo! um and uh yeah so that'll be fun um good work but yeah uh more football coming this weekend yeah like and so not like i don't know why i say like like don't we we don't we don't have a Facebook page. Don't like yeah. it. I mean you can like our Kook yeah. Center Facebook page and and then like you'll see one out of every fourteen posts we do based on the Facebook al- algorithm. So um have fun with that. Uh yeah, but good luck. you can follow uh Jeff on Twitter at pod versus everyone. That is our technically our podcast account. <laughs> yeah, I kinda took that over. Um and then uh and then you can follow me at the Craig Powers. Um, you can subscribe to us. You can rate us five stars on your service of choice, particularly on iTunes. That's what most people use. Uh, but a lot more people are using Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on everything. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't even know one that we're not on. I don't know. Uh, I get all the emails about the things we're on. And that was mostly Jeff's doing. So it was yeah. actually 100% Jeff's yep. doing. Not not mostly, hundred yeah, percent. I did none of that. My fault. Jeff is Jeff is the uh, uh, podcast host slash producer. Um, I just get on here and rant and and, and babble. <laughs> I don't do anything else. It's all right. He also writes up the posts on Coog Center, so I I do the I the least minimum effort for me. So <laughs> give Jeff five stars if anything. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I know I spent uh, I spent part of this podcast uh, preparing so that I wouldn't have to stay up very late tonight finishing it up. So nice work! I kind of did like all the all the groundwork that I need to do now. I just you knew to, what we were going to talk about. We're, I know. we're I, predictable. I gotta I gotta mix. I, now I gotta mix it though because we had a, a little recording snafu in the middle. So yeah, see if you can find where it was. That's all right. They they will not know. It'll be seamless. It'll be seamless. Yeah. Should we give a prize to anybody who can figure it out? Uh, uh, you, no. You'll have our respect. <laughs> you'll have the we'll give respect. Give you a shout out of, on the podcast. If you can we'll give you a shout. Out. Yeah, we will. If you email us, tell us where where you think it was. If you get it right, at, at podcast vs everyone at gmail dot com. If you figure out where the audio screw up was, <laughs> I I'll mention you. On the podcast, I'll say within reason what you want me to say. Um, one sentence, <laughs> one sentence. That's it. Just one sentence, um, and reason. nothing mean. Uh, you can have f words in there, of course. I, I say those happily. Um, no political crap. That's only for us to say. Yeah, uh, unless, unless I like your political thing, that'll be fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, all right, Craig, go Cougs. Go Cougs. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.